Alrighty, and welcome into another edition of Connor and Coverage. My name is Connor Riley here, talking the latest with Georgia football news, notes, updates, social media, what we're hearing, what we've learned, ton of different stuff, a lot of stuff going on, even though it's the middle of May, the dead of the offseason. There's still been a ton of Georgia news and notes and things happening around sort of college football as well. We got a game time announcement today with Georgia Clemson, 7.30 nighttime kickoff at ABC. It's still going to be really hot. Uh, the sun's probably still going to be out at 7.30 at night, but you know, fourth quarter, that sun's going to be setting. It'll be a great game, great atmosphere. We've also learned recently that the state of North Carolina has lifted all of their COVID restrictions. And so as of right now, that looks like it is going to be a game with full capacity. I think that is something that everybody is rooting for and wants to see happen. And so that's another, I think, encouraging sign as things continue to get back more to normal here. As we have further and further, more and more people vaccinated, COVID numbers continue to shrink. So more good news when it comes to opening the season against Clemson. We're going to talk a little bit off the top about Jordan Davis and why this Clemson game in particular to him means more than maybe any other player on this Georgia roster, especially in terms of what they can showcase in that game and do going forward. We'll talk a little bit about the transfer portal. Obviously, over the weekend, Georgia gets a cornerback, uh, or I guess a defensive back, I should clarify there, from Alabama, Brandon Turnage, a guy who at the very least is going to be a replacement for Major Burns and maybe even greater than that. Possibly a guy that can play corner for Georgia this year if that's something he's capable of doing. And we'll end of the night talking a little bit about the wide receivers. I know there's been some recent social media buzz about two guys in particular, Arian Smith and Marcus Rosemary Jack Saint. We'll talk about them, sort of what their outlook is for this season. Obviously, a couple of those guys are going out to California to work with JT Daniels over the next couple of weeks as he looks to sort of continue to build a bond with these Georgia wide receivers and pass catchers. And then at the end of the night, we are live tonight. We will be taking your questions. Or if you're listening on the podcast, we do this every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. on YouTube. Make sure to check us out, Connor and Coverage. And if you're watching or you want to hear a little bit longer, check out the podcast version as well. Subscribe iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. We're on there. And so Dog Nation podcast feed, Connor and Coverage. Let's, uh, without further ado, dive into our main topic tonight, which is the aforementioned Clemson game, but even specifically uh, Jordan Davis. Now... If you're a astute observer of social media, I think you probably noticed something a little specific today. When it was announced, the game time for the Georgia-Clemson game, which is going to be September 4th, 7.30, ABC, primetime game for Georgia as they take on Clemson. You probably noticed that when the Georgia social media account tweeted out this news, the player in the middle was Jordan Davis, or the player highlighted was Jordan Davis. You see him right there on your screen. He's in Carolina Stadium, which I believe is Bank of America Stadium there in Charlotte. And that's not a coincidence. They, you know, obviously JT Daniels is probably the face of this Georgia program. You could say George Pickens may be a little bit more popular. Nicobe Dean, a clear leader on the defensive side of the ball, but in terms of that game in particular, it's incredibly important to Jordan Davis. And he sort of followed up why in a tweet afterwards, and I'll pull that up on the screen for you guys right here. Um, Jordan tweeted this out after, obviously, it was announced, and more specifically, Georgia used him in its graphic. Playing in the stadium, I used to drive past every day. And he's got a little emoji there to go on the end of it. And for those that don't know, Jordan Davis is from Charlotte. He played at Mallard Creek High School, one of the best high schools in the state of North Carolina there. And coming back to Georgia for his senior year, this Clemson game in particular, with it being in Charlotte, in his hometown, 
is going to mean a great deal to Jordan Davis and what he's possibly able to do. Davis was a guy I absolutely think could have been a, a taken in the first three rounds of this past NFL draft. He is, without a doubt, in my opinion, the best run defender in all of college football. Georgia has the number one rush defense in each of the past two seasons, and Jordan Davis is easily the biggest reason why. I think if you want to uh, better understand the impact that Davis has, go back and watch that Florida game. Florida didn't run the ball great that day. I think only 87 rushing yards. But in the first half, when they needed to, to to keep the Georgia defense off balance, they were able to get four or five yards early to move it, stay ahead of the chain so that you weren't in third and long situations. If Jordan Davis is out there, that's not happening. And you sort of saw that in the Cincinnati game. Obviously, they had the big Jerome Ford touchdown run, but Jordan Davis was fully healthy in that game, and you look at the impact that he had. He had a big sack, blocked a field goal, which uh, I know obviously how that game ended up playing out, but that was a huge play for Georgia to end up winning uh, and seeing Davis have that impact there. And so opening up against Clemson, and you, what we know about this Clemson team, at least right now, their biggest question is that offensive line. And if you go back and look at last year's stats, the game that, Clemson's there, that Clemson lost, yes, Trevor Lawrence wasn't playing in one of them, but they could not run the ball in either the loss to Notre Dame or the loss to Ohio State. And that's a little concerning for you because as much as I think people like DJ Uyunglele out of Clemson and the upside that he potentially has, when he, they weren't able to run the ball last year, Clemson lost. And that's with Trevor Lawrence back there, quarterback. That's with guys like Amari Rodgers and Cornell Pyle who were both drafted in this year's NFL draft. And so it's going to be really interesting to me if Clemson is going to be able to run the ball in this game. And if they're not, the more pressure that puts on a guy like DJ Uyunglele. Now, yes, Georgia secondary is a huge question mark. Obviously, they have to replace both starting corners as well as Mark Webb, Richard LeCount back there. And I do think Clemson is going to be able to throw on Georgia in that game. But if Jordan Davis is able to emerge not just as a run stopper but as a pass stopper against a what I think we can all agree is a suspect Clemson offensive line, I think that's one going to show NFL scouts absolutely why he came back to become a better pass rusher. And I know, and I've played this clip on here before, Kirby Smart has made no bones about it. He is very open to challenging Jordan Davis to get his weight in a place to where he can make greater contributions. He did this a few seasons ago when after his freshman year, and it was clear even then that he was a gifted player and was going to be a piece of this Georgia defense, he needed to get in better shape to be an an every-down run defender, a guy who could be on the field from first and second down. Going into this season, he needs to get to a place where he can be on first, second, and third down. And now, in the past, Georgia's been able to use guys like Trayvon Walker and Jalen Carter, who are probably more gifted pass rushers than Jordan Davis. But if Davis is able to get to a place where his weight is in a spot to where he can play first down, second down, third down, continue to emerge as a pass rusher, a disruptive force in the middle of that Georgia defense, it's going to open so many more doors for him. Obviously, and Brandon Adams has talked about this a lot on his show, can Jordan Davis go from being a great run defender to being a guy like a Javon Kinlaw or Derek Brown who would just all-around disruptive every single down. You had to make sure you had multiple guys blocking him. Clemson's going to have to do and throw multiple bodies at him, and that should open things up for the rest of this Georgia offense, uh, for the Georgia defense that day, to not only slow down the Clemson running game, which I think is going to have very serious questions, especially when you have to consider, in addition to replacing Trevor Lawrence, they're also replacing Travis Etienne, who was taken in the first round of this past draft, and is, I believe, the ACC's all-time leading rusher. So with a guy like Jordan Davis, what he can possibly bring in that game, I think is going to be very significant to not only his draft stock going forward, but this Georgia team. 
the Clemson and Georgia defensive lines are probably, and you could throw Alabama's, I think, in there as well, probably the two best defensive lines in college football. Uh, they are absolutely loaded both with young potential talent, but also guys that have shown that what they are capable of doing at the college level. And Brian Brzee is going to be a first-round pick. Miles Murphy is going to be an NFL player. Tyler Davis for Clemson is going to be an NFL player. Trayvon Walker for Georgia. Jalen Carter. Even, I think, Devontae Wyatt is a guy who's going to play on Sundays. If Jordan Davis is the best defensive lineman in that game for Georgia, I think that's going to go a long way. Not even just for Georgia. If Jordan Davis is the best defensive lineman on the field against Clemson on September 4th, which I certainly think he can be, I think that's going to go maybe not quite as long as JT Daniels being better than DJ Wingolale, but a very long way in helping Georgia potentially win that game. And if you do that, it gives you a massive feather in your cap in terms of going and competing for a spot in the college football playoff. Because let's be frank here, the rest of Georgia's schedule after that Clemson game is not nearly as tough. But Florida, I think, is going to take a small step back this season. Auburn, there's a tough two-game stretch. We have Auburn and Kentucky back-to-back. Auburn on the road, Kentucky at home, and Kentucky has played Georgia well. But there isn't a team other than Clemson on Georgia's regular season schedule that should challenge them. And so if you're 12-0 SEC East champs heading into that final Saturday in the SEC championship game, I think you're going to have a very good chance of potentially already having a college football playoff spot locked up. Obviously, you want to win that game to be 13-0 and potentially for playing Alabama to erase all the narratives there. But... If Jordan Davis comes out and dominates that Clemson game like he has, not necessarily an opponent like Clemson, but shown that he can be a, a true dominant player in both the run and the pass, that's going to, one, absolutely validate the reason he came back, and two, really show that I can be a, a, a true face of a program. I, I think that's a, another reason why Jordan Davis came back this season. Obviously, JT Daniels is the face on the offensive side, but if Jordan Davis is the best player on Georgia's defense, something I think he can absolutely be, He's going to need to show it in this Clemson game because at that point, he's going to go from a guy I think clearly every Georgia fan knows, Jordan Davis is going to be a first-team All-SEC defensive lineman. If he plays really well in that Clemson game, it's going to rubber stamp him being a first-team All-American type player. And from there, you can be an even better player and obviously impress NFL draft folks. So this Clemson game, as we sort of touched on off the top, means a ton to Jordan Davis just for the, for the simple fact that it's a game in his hometown. I'm sure he's going to have a ton of family there as it is now a game that will be at full capacity, and he's going to want to play well in front of his hometown and really show out for this Georgia team. And if he's able to do that in that game for Georgia, it's going to go a long way, I think, in determining a possible Georgia victory that day. I don't expect Jordan Davis to have a bad game, but if he's able to sort of do what he did against Cincinnati where he did come up with a sack and he did have a blocked field goal, I don't know if that's realistic to expect, but if he's being a disruptive force for this Georgia defense in that first game in a game that is littered and loaded with special defensive linemen, I think it's going to spell a lot of future success for Jordan Davis and what he's potentially able to do for Georgia in the 2021 season. So that is our first topic of the night. My name is Connor Riley. This is Connor in coverage. We do this every Tuesday, usually live 8 p.m. here on YouTube. Thanks for checking us out. If you have any comments or questions, go ahead and ask them. I see some people, yes, I did get a haircut. Uh, first time in over a year. It was long overdue, and I actually think it looks pretty good. So uh, now that we've got that out of the way, moving on into sort of our second topic here, we're going to talk about the transfer pool, and I've written a lot about this. I read about, wrote about it again today on on dog nation the way georgia is using the transfer portal is changing right in front of our eyes and i think the biggest reason for this you could certainly point to the ncaa changing its rule i think that's certainly fair 
and that now players no longer have to set out for one season uh, after immediately, or they are immediately eligible after transferring for the first time. But more specifically, with it looking like the SEC is going to be changing its transfer rule, which is set to be voted on on June 3rd, and with some of the recent transfers, Henry Toto going from Tennessee to Alabama, you have Brandon Turnage going from Alabama to Georgia, and Turnage, as you see here on your screen now, announced this on Friday night. And then even today, you have Major Burns, who was a player from Georgia, entering the transfer portal. He is now going to another SEC school in LSU, playing closer to home. He is from Baton Rouge, was a long-time uh, LSU commit during the recruiting process. With all three of those guys going from one SEC school to the next, I think it's showing that this is Georgia's past way of using the transfer portal is not how it's going to be. Uh, Kirby Smart obviously wants to continue to say that it is a need-based usage of improving the Georgia roster, which I think absolutely makes sense because you still look at Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, I'll include them in there as well. Those teams aren't relying on the transfer portal to get their top-end players. You know, Henry Toto, obviously a good player, an all-SEC caliber player, but he's not a guy that changes their national title fortunes. That's still going to be Bryce Young. That's still going to be a guy like Will Anderson who they landed in the 2020 signing class. High school recruits are still going to be the way these elite programs still build themselves up. But I think as you're seeing with Georgia, with what they did with Brandon Turnage, with what even I think they did with JT Daniels a year ago, when there is sort of a, not necessarily a short-term need now, but a, a medium-term lead, you know, you think back to JT Daniels a season ago, and I'll pull up some highlights here from last season of him. When JT Daniels came in, everyone still thought Jamie Newman was going to be the starting quarterback. And at that point in time, when JT Daniels came in, it wasn't even known if he was going to be immediately eligible. But the thought was, okay, we've got Jamie Newman for 2020. JT Daniels can get healthy, be fully comfortable on that knee, and he can be our guy for the 2021 season. And by that point, Brock Vandergriff will be here. Carson Beck should be really comfortable. We can let those two guys duel it out for the 2022 season. Obviously, it didn't end up playing out that way because Jamie Newman ends up opting out, and JT Daniels wasn't ready to start the 2020 season, but he did eventually get in there and make some real pride and or make some real progress and show going into 2021 why his ceiling is as high as it is. And so because of that, you look at this Brandon Turnage transfer. One, I think this is absolutely a reaction to major burns entering the transfer portal. Georgia brings back its starting safeties in Lewisine and Chris Smith. But beyond him, there's some real questions back there in terms of depth. Uh, Latavius Breen is going to play a little bit of star. Tyke Smith, who they brought in from West Virginia, he's going to play some star as well. But it's worth pointing out here that Dan Jackson, a walk-on, was getting second-team reps at that safety position. Now, obviously, he had an interception in the spring game and looks to be like maybe a potential competent player, but Georgia needs at least another body there at safety, and at the bare minimum, I think Brandon Turnage fills that role. Now, if Brandon Turnage is going to get on the field this season, it's not going to be at safety. It's going to be at corner, and it's worth pointing out that when Brandon Turnage was coming out, and again, six foot one, 185 pounds, number, I think, 102 player in the, 2020, or the 2019 recruiting class, he was listed as a cornerback, and if Georgia thinks that he's able to play cornerback for them and they're going to absolutely try him out there, then that's his quickest and easiest way onto the field in 2021. But if he's going to be a safety, which is what Alabama thought he was, he's probably not seeing the field until at least 2022 because Chris Smith will be gone by then, and Lewis seeing potentially a three-and-out player here at Georgia. And so, again, safety sort of became a, a medium-range need. Obviously, you couldn't call it necessarily a short-term need because you do have guys in Seen and Smith that have played a lot. 
and it's not a long-term need either with guys like Malachi Starks coming in in this recruiting class, a guy like Kamari Wilson still out there, and then a Dion Bowie who could potentially play corner or safety for Georgia, though he's going to obviously start out at cornerback. Safety wasn't exactly a short-term, but it wasn't a long-term need, but it was still a position of need given the major Burns transfer. And I think going forward, if you look at a guy like Brandon Turnage, a guy like JT Daniels, those are the types of players Georgia's going to target to where they're going to still be able to tell recruits, hey, long-term, you're a guy that can come in and play here and start and start multiple years here for Georgia. But they're not desperate enough to go out and start adding these guys all the time, like, say, some programs like Georgia Tech, Florida, uh, I believe Florida State has as well, where they are addressing short-term needs because they just need those bodies that badly. So it's finding a balance and finding those positions to where you can go in and add a high-quality player. And, and if you look at the transfers that Georgia has brought in, they're not taking group of five players. They are taking, for the most part, power five guys. And now that it is open to the SEC, or at least will be after the president's vote on it on June 3rd, I expect Georgia to lean very heavily in taking guys who have experience at SEC programs. Obviously, Brandon Turnish hasn't played a whole lot at Alabama, appeared in only four games over his first two years there in Tuscaloosa. But has an experience in SEC program, knows sort of the rigors there. Again, if you can do it at Alabama and practice there, you can practice just about anywhere, the New York, New York of college football programs. And so because of that, I think this is something Georgia's going to be more willing to do going forward than they necessarily have been in the past. You look at some of the more recent transfers Georgia has taken, guys like Lawrence Cager and Eli Wolf, Trey McKitty, uh, Jamie Newman a season ago, those guys were all graduate transfers. They were one-year guys that certainly weren't even going to disrupt or ruffle feathers when it comes to uh, you know, younger recruits who say, well, I thought I had a chance to play in here right away. It's like, you might not play your freshman year, but your sophomore year. And for example, you bring in Trey McKitty. He has his one year here. Darnell Washington looks ready to break out now as a sophomore. And you absolutely, I don't think, could have said that as a freshman a season ago. So it's, it's a, the way Georgia's going to use this transfer portal now is, yes, if there is still a short-term need, like say Tyke Smith, and while Smith has multiple years of eligibility at Georgia, he was absolutely more of a short-term guy to help fill out that, uh, uh, that secondary and be a real playmaker back there because I don't know if Chris Smith or Lewis Seen are just that. So you're still going to have that guy occasionally, but I think the new sort of avenue that's opened up here is those middle-range options. A guy like a JT Daniels, a guy like a Brandon Turnage, who have exp- some experience at a high major program, at le- very least in practicing in it and going through the reps there. Daniels obviously coming from USC, Turnage coming from Alabama. And a guy who, at the very least, can provide you with depth in year one, could possibly step in in the case of injury or, in, in Daniels' case, opt-outs and then develop into maybe a starter that second year in the program. Or if they don't develop into a starter, there's still a depth piece. And from there, you can still say, hey, yes, even though we brought this guy in, we're going to play the best players. And if that's you, five-star recruit X, you're going to see yourself on the field. It's not a, you know, and again, you look at a guy like Jay Hayes who transferred in from Notre Dame as a graduate transfer. Just because you transfer in, it does not guarantee you playing time. I think even a guy like Demetrius Robertson, you could point to him as an example. You know, obviously all the, the hype surrounding him when he came in from Cal for a strong freshman season. He's been passed over multiple times by younger wide receivers, George Pickens, Dominic Blaylock, Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint when he was healthy last year, Jermaine Burton, another guy there. So Georgia's going to continue to play this transfer role, uh, this transfer portal game. They're not going to dive all in. I would never expect them to take maybe more than three or four transfers. 
But I also think with this current cycle, they're not done yet. They still want to go out there and find a cornerback with starting experience. They might even want to go find another speedy wide receiver to match out there with what Georgia has in that receiver room. And so it's a delicate balance of finding the right guys. And now with the SEC changing its transfer portal, I think Georgia's going to have to absolutely adapt to that. You saw Alabama is doing this. I expect Ohio State and Clemson to do this going forward as well. And so because of that, even though Kirby Smart, I think you could call him as conservative as can be when it comes to using the transfer portal in the past, that's going to have to start changing to adapt and keep up with the way college football is being done now. You saw him do it, I think, a little bit last year on the field in terms of opening up the offense and being more aggressive defensively in terms of getting pressure and leaving your cornerbacks out there on an island. I think you're seeing him do this in other ways too now. I think that's an encouraging sign for Georgia as they continue to adapt and ultimately try and win a national championship. And so that is our second topic of the night. We'll do one more quick little update here, and then we'll open up for comments and questions and anything you guys might have or want to talk about. Go ahead and post them now. I'll do my best to answer them. Hope everyone is having a good uh, Tuesday night here. Uh, A little wet. Uh, in Atlanta today, a little cloudy, but the weather's supposed to be nice. It's supposed to start heating up. Uh, we're going to be at the Braves game on Friday. That's going to be a ton of fun. We are all sold out. I'm looking forward. I'm going to be there. Brandon Adams is going to be there. Jeff Sintel is going to be there. I'm looking forward to having a great time that night. Uh, hopefully some of you guys out there that are watching are getting a chance to be there as well. So looking forward to that. Um, without further ado, we're going to go into our final topic of the night, and we're going to talk about a couple of wide receivers that have done some real positive things or at least shown that they're doing positive things via social media. And we'll start with Arian Smith, who this weekend ran at the SEC track and field outdoor championships. And while he didn't win, uh, he did not win any as an individual. He did take home a silver medal as a part of Georgia's relay team. And he ran a really impressive uh, 10-1-8, obviously wind-dated, 100-meter dash. And it's worth pointing out that Smith himself had said that this was the first time he had ran the 100 meters in a competitive setting since he was a junior in high school. And so you see Smith here sort of posting an update. Even though he ran a 10-1-8, an incredible time, uh, an eighth-place finish in one of the toughest conference when it comes to competitive running in the country – Still room to improve and get better. I think you can absolutely apply that to his his football speed as well. And, and the thing with Smith, sometimes these track guys, their speed doesn't always transfer over when you do uh, make the move to football. From what we've seen so far from Arian Smith, I think you can say that it does. Obviously, he was limited last year by injuries. Came in and needed to have wrist surgery when he first got to campus, and then obviously had a knee injury there in preseason camp that I think really limited him. But late in the season, you saw when he's able to use that speed, when he's able to run that nine route, he is as fast as anybody. He can easily get by defenders and separate. And if JT, you know, he had the touchdown in the South Carolina game, if he has a little bit of a better ball against that Cincinnati team, he probably scores a touchdown there too. So Georgia, how they go about using Arian Smith this year is going to be really interesting because that guy is an absolute weapon. And how developed is he as a route runner? We don't know yet. That's going to be something we see over the course of the season. But in terms of just saying, hey, Arian, run as fast as you can, as far as you can. We'll have JT chuck it down there. I think that's going to be a play you see a few times a game this season for Georgia because there just aren't many, as demonstrated this weekend, there aren't many athletes across the SEC who can keep up with him, much less wearing football pads. And so I think Arian Smith displaying that kind of speed in an environment where he hasn't been training for all that long. He was going through spring practice with Georgia, obviously sprains the wrist, which limits him in that spring game there. But he is someone who has speed for days. I know Keely Ringo was able to keep up with him, match top speeds. 
But Arian Smith is the fastest player on this Georgia team. The track speed just goes out there and absolutely proves it. The other guy that I think we had a really interesting uh, you know, social media clip to, to gleam from, I'd be Marcus Rosemey Jack saying, uh, we got an update from him. The receiver factory, as you can see on your screen right now, him going through drills and looks to be moving pretty well off that ankle. Obviously, the hands were never a question with him. It's just obviously the gruesome fractured ankle injury that he had at the end of the, or in the, I shouldn't say the end, at the middle of the Florida game that ended his season last year. I'm really interested with Marcus Rosemey Jack Saint. And, you know, I, I mentioned this on my appearance on Dog Nation Daily today. The difference between a guy like Dominic Blaylock and a guy like George Pickens and even a guy like Marcus Rosemey Jack Sane is that there was no ligament damage with Marcus Rosemey Jack Sane's ankle injury. It was just a bone injury. Break, clean it, put some screws in, reset it, it's good to go. Those knee injuries are obviously a little different with ACL injuries, specifically a guy like Pickens and Blaylock. And Blaylock, I, look, again, I've made it clear I'm as big a Blaylock fan as anyone, and I do think he'll be cleared for practice ready to go and potentially even for the start of the season. But I think George is going to be very cautious in bringing him back. One, just because I do think there's still a lot of talent in that wide receiver room. And there's not necessarily, even though you play Clemson that first game of the year, with Kyrus Jackson, Jermaine Burton, we touched a little bit there on uh, on Arian Smith. Uh, Donnie Mitchell looked like a real player there for Georgia in that, first, uh, in that spring game. There's not necessarily a need to rush him back right away. And you can, I think, be careful with Blaylock in that sense in terms of what he gives you. There's an opportunity for Marcus Rosemey Jackson. And Kirby Smart had mentioned at the end of spring practice that he was close, that he was getting closer to being able to go and go out there and play. And he did dress out for that spring game. And they didn't play him. And quite frankly, there's no reason to do that, to rush him back out there. But if he's healthy and ready to go, specifically at the start of camp, I think there's a very good chance he's your starting X receiver for Georgia when they open up against Clemson. And some of the nuances of that position are a lot of times you're going to find yourself in one-on-one coverage, which is the way that is sort of tilted and they sort of tilt the field to them. That's the position that George Pickens played. And ideally they want to get you in one-on-one coverage. It's a more physical wide receiver position than say the slot or the Z receiver in Georgia's offense. And Marcus Rosemary Jackson, while he's not as big as Pickens or he's not the leaper that Pickens is, he is certainly a capable receiver, especially out there in space. And you saw in that game against Florida, he took a nice little slant or I guess maybe even a post pattern. Uh, I'd have to go back and find the depth of the route there. But took a nice little post pattern to the house for a touchdown. And he is someone who I think can absolutely be a real player for Georgia in this offense at that X position. If he's healthy and ready to go, that's going to – Massage a lot of the issues that I think you see with George Pickens. Obviously, he's not, I think, the gifted athlete that Pickens is. And it'll be interesting to see how the chemistry develops with Rosemary Jack Saint and JT Daniels going forward, because that is something that those two, Pickens and Daniels, absolutely had. But you look at on social media this week, JT Daniels back out in California, as are a number of Georgia skill players. And I think that's something you're going to see on social media in the coming days. And Dog Nation is going to have stories on that as well. Those guys are out there training with JT Daniels in Southern California, working with him, trying to get better. And I think that's something that's very encouraging for you to see as George. Obviously, this happens around the country. And even at the NFL level, Tom Brady famously, you know, training with all the New England guys down there in South Florida. And so how Rosemey develops chemistry-wise with Daniels is going to be really interesting because I absolutely think Rosemey Jackson, if healthy, has the talent to be a starting caliber wide receiver and a good one for Georgia, potentially even as early as this season. And so if he looks and continues to look like he does in some of these social media videos that he put out, obviously a few weeks ago, you saw him making one-handed catches in the Georgia practice facility. I think that's going to be a real nice development for this Georgia offense. And the questions and concerns following the George Pickens injury 
probably go down a little bit if Marcus Rosemey Jack Sane is healthy and looks like the player that he he did as a recruit because he was a top 60, uh, potentially even top 50 recruit coming out of St. Thomas Aquinas, a great high school player for one of the best programs in the country. If you're able to do that in South Florida, I think you have a very good chance of excelling on a collegiate level. And if Rosemey Jack Sane's healthy, I think he's going to be a real nice player for this Georgia team this year to go along with a guy like Jermaine Burton, Arian Smith, Kyrus Jackson. Yes, losing George Pickens is obviously a bummer for this Georgia team and probably shows up the most against, say, a Clemson or an Alabama in the college football playoff even. But throughout the season, I think Marcus Rosemey Jackson is a guy who can be a difference maker for Georgia. So that'll be our last uh, segment for tonight. You guys got questions, comments, thoughts, ask away. Uh, I know I touched on I don't think Georgia is quite done yet in the transfer portal. I touched a little bit on Dominic Blaylock. Uh, in terms of where his status is and recovery and whatnot. Uh, Clemson game set for 7.30 kickoff. They're in Charlotte on September 4th. I know a lot of people are looking forward to that. I think that's going to be a ton of fun. Um, That's probably going to be full capacity unless we backslide with the pandemic and Oh, God, hoping that doesn't happen. But, again, I think there's a lot to be excited about right now for Georgia, even in the middle of the offseason. I think we still got another 14 Saturdays until Georgia and Clemson meet on September 4th. But, it's going to be here before you know it. And so any questions, thoughts, comments you guys might have, I will do my best to answer them. I'll pull it up on YouTube right now. Uh, let's see. Uh, we got a Clemson fan in here, which isn't great. Uh, Zachary Sins asks, what is UGA's overall recruiting strategy during June going to look like? When do you think we'll see results of all those visits? So there's a couple of interesting dates. Um, That first weekend in June, June 4th, that's going to be a huge official visit weekend, specifically for offensive players. You look, I think Gunnar Stockton is coming into town. You have Branson Robinson, a running back out of Mississippi, four-star player, top 100 recruit, depending on which service you use. He's taking an official visit. Kojo Antwi, a wide receiver, um, who is very close with, commits to Denylon Morissette and Gunnar Stockton, who will also be in town that weekend. He's taking his official visit that weekend, and he's set to announce his commitment on July 5th. Uh, Addison Nichols, a four-star offensive tackle, will be visiting that weekend as well. I could certainly see some of those guys committing after that visit, but I think for most of these guys, especially the official visit guys, guys like Antwi, who's announcing in July, Addison Nichols, who I think will be a July announcee as well, those guys you're going to have to maybe wait a little bit longer on, but I think July is going to be a very busy month in terms of guys committing and announcing where they're going because they are going to have knocked out those visits in June. Before that, though, those first couple of days are going to be really, really important for, I think, the 2023 and possibly even the 2024 class because starting June 1st, guys can come visit. We know Labius Overton, number one player in the 2023 class. He's coming to visit June 2nd. Uh, Justice Haynes, a son of uh, Georgia great Vernon Haynes, is visiting that same day in sort of an unofficial capacity. Uh, I know Richard Young, a guy Jeff Sintel is getting ready to write about, number one running back in the 2023 class. He is set to visit that day as well, or the he's set to visit June 1st. So it's not, you know, there is some strategy there, but they're going to have a ton of players across multiple classes on campus that weekend. The other big weekend, at least from my perspective, is the weekend of the 18th. Uh, 18th through the 20th, because that is when all the IMG guys are coming in. And Georgia is doing very well, I would say, with some of those IMG guys and competing. You know, Again, it's one of the top programs in the country. I believe they were the national champions uh, at the high school level last year. A couple guys to know from there. Tyler Booker, four-star offensive tackle. Going to be a very contested battle with him in Florida. Uh, I think that's going to go to the wire. Uh, Kamari Wilson is another guy coming from IMG, five-star prospect. I believe number one safety in the country. Uh, Keon Sab, another highly rated athlete, five-star prospect out of IMG Academy. Uh, 
there's a cornerback whose name I'm blanking on. Everett is his last name. He is set to visit that weekend as well. And then Jihad Campbell, uh, an, an intriguing pass rushing absent, also from IMG Academy. All of those IMG players are going to be at Georgia on June 18th through the 20th. I think that's very deliberate and very interesting by Georgia to get all those guys clustered who come from that same high school program at IMG that has produced Georgia players like Warren Brinson, Nolan Smith, Isaac Nada over the years, a ton of players that Georgia has gotten out of there. All those guys coming up that same weekend is going to be very interesting. I don't know if, how quickly those guys pop in terms of committing after that, but that's going to be a very crucial and important weekend for this Georgia cycle because they, I think if they're going to finish with the number one overall class, which is where they sit right now, they have to land multiple players out of that IMG Academy group to, to beat out Alabama, Ohio State, LSU, who are sort of the top recruiting teams right now. But I hope that answers your question, Zach, in terms of what you have. Um, let's see. John Hammond, this is a fair point, and it's, it's, you know, it's going to be something I think you're going to see more of, especially as Clemson and Georgia starts to play. He wants Georgia Clemson week one going forward. And from a John is a Clemson fan. I think that's certainly something that is very attractive to Clemson, just given the ACC's current sort of state over the last couple of years just has not been up to par with the rest of, say, the even the SEC or even other Power Five conferences. And so because of that, having a game like Clemson or having a game like Georgia on your schedule every year makes things easier. The problem with Georgia's perspective on that is one, they do have Georgia tech every year though. You could point out Clemson has South Carolina as well, but two Georgia's already really scheduled out a lot of power five non-conference games, Ohio state, Oklahoma, Florida state, Texas, uh, UCLA, though, obviously they're not in the same breath, Louisville as well, all on the schedule for home and home starting in 2025. And, so maybe after you get through that initial period where you have all those exciting games and you're crisscrossing the country, maybe at that point you do get Clemson on the schedule every year and sort of rekindle that. And it'll be interesting to see how long Dabo and Kirby Smart are still here because there's a very good chance when these two teams do start playing those home-and-homes in 2029 and 2030. That's the first sort of set of home-and-homes these two teams have. It wouldn't surprise me if neither of those guys are here, just given how much co- turnover there is in college football on a year-to-year basis. So I certainly understand why, from a Clemson perspective, you want that. And even, maybe even from a Georgia perspective, you might want that. But with Georgia having to play an SEC schedule every year and already having an ACC crossover opponent in Georgia Tech, it's going to be interesting to see how they balance that. But I, I do think, especially if this game against Clemson goes well, it is competitive, and it doesn't hurt either team when it comes to the college football playoff discussion, which I don't think that it will. I think you're going to see a swell to see Clemson, as so long as both these teams continue to be elite programs, and most importantly, that one team doesn't dominate this. Because if Clemson starts winning all these, or Georgia starts winning all these, I think you're going to hear a lot more people from the side that's losing all these games all the time, that, hey, maybe we shouldn't play a team like a Clemson, or maybe we shouldn't play like a team like a Georgia to open every season, just given how good these teams figure to be. So I think that's absolutely something that you're going to see going forward. Um, Let's see. Comments, questions. Uh, Davis Painter, Connor, who do you think gets the first NLI endorsement? See, within Georgia, it's tough. Um, I mean, I, I think the biggest thing is you're going to see these guys try, probably try and hawk out their own social media accounts, but none of these guys really have, at least as of right now, truly massive followings to where they're able to move that sort of product. Now, JT Daniels, I think, could be an easy one. I think Zamir White is a guy who has done a lot of personal branding already, and he could be someone that makes a move in sort of that sense. But, you know, at the beginning of the season, it's going to be hard for me to see anyone that is going to leap out and make these big dollars that they think they're going to potentially make. I think that's something that is going to come at the end of the season, and it's really going to take, I think, 
guys who are going to be really smart about the way they brand themselves to make the sort of money that a lot of people think they're going to make. You know, obviously a guy like I think Evan Stewart, who has over a million and a half followers on TikTok, I think maybe that's something that, you know, you have to have truly a massive social following if you're really, I think, going to start collecting checks on this. But, you know, one example that I think maybe some people lose to the weeds, how many car commercials do you see for a guy like Julio Jones or Matt Ryan, guys who are absolute superstars in this Atlanta market? Almost none, if any. And so, you know, if professional athletes aren't doing that, I don't think you're going to see the same thing for college kids. Now, maybe a few local spots and athletes sponsor these guys. Maybe you see a few autograph signings as well. But from a wide-ranging perspective, I don't think you're going to see guys making huge monies off NIL, at least to start. I think you're going to see maybe a big swell. Let's say if Georgia has a huge season, ends up winning a national title, I think maybe then the endorsement opportunities really open themselves up. But for guys like JT Daniels, if if Georgia wins a national championship, JT Daniels is probably heading to the pros and and doesn't have to worry about how much money he's making within Georgia. So, Um, Let's see. Let's do one more uh, good question. Uh, yeah, so next year, 2022, uh, Georgia opens up against Oregon in Atlanta. And so that's sort of, you know, one of, I think, the tricky things that Georgia's going to have to balance. And obviously Oregon is one example. But they play so many high-profile non-conference teams that if you want to add Clemson every year in addition to that, it's going to be tough, at least as of right now, with the way the schedule is set up, till at least 2032 when after the 2031 season you get Oklahoma and Ohio State off your schedule. Until then, you know, the idea of playing Clemson on a yearly basis I think is a little bit of a pipe dream. But, hey, with how these games play out, if maybe Georgia-Clemson play in a college football playoff a few times between now and then, maybe it is enough to rekindle this rivalry on an every-game basis. But there is one aspect that I would say be weary of if you are Georgia in this sense. Other than Georgia, the team that signs the most four- or five-star prospects out of the metro Atlanta area is Clemson. So if you give them another reason or give them more ammo and reason to succeed and say, hey, look, I know technically it's a Georgia state and whatnot, but you can come, and depending on where you are in the metro Atlanta area, it might take you just as long to get to Clemson as it does to Athens. And so because of that, you know, you do give Clemson more fertile recruiting soil for them to go into Atlanta, go into Georgia, and, and recruit there if you're saying, hey – we can beat there. We play you guys every year. You get a game in your home state every year, guaranteed. Though, obviously, Georgia Tech plays Clemson every year as well. So, potentially, some years you get two games in your home state. And so, that is another selling point to Clemson that, quite frankly, doesn't exist for Georgia. The upside for Clemson playing Georgia every year is much higher than it is for Georgia. So, let's see. Um... You know, that will probably be it for us tonight. Um, thanks again for tuning in, everyone. We've got Jeff's until tomorrow on Before the Hedges. I'm pretty sure we're going to have a cover four this week on Thursday. Those are always a lot of fun. Brandon Adams every Monday through Friday. You've got Mike Griffith with On the Beat on Monday night. We're going to have, I think, a special broadcast on Friday from Truist Park there with the Braves, Dog Nation Happy Hour. I'm going to be there. Jeff Sintel is going to be there. Brandon Adams is going to be there. Hopefully some of you guys will be there. We're going to have a ton of fun. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, We'll have a ton of stuff on Dog Nation the rest of the week, as you saw today. News never stops. Clemson game scheduled for a 7.30 kickoff on ABC. Major Burns transfers to LSU. Talked about Jordan Davis off the top of the show tonight. Uh, Thanks again for tuning in, everyone. My name is Connor Riley, and I hope you all have a great Tuesday and a great rest of the week.